when I finally began to own my place in God's story in this place, on this piece of dirt, at this address, in this role, with this team, with this customer, then things began to change. Because then my interior life that I was growing in in maturity, well, then all of a sudden as you become a son, now what are we going to do, dad? What do I do now with this new place of sonship in me? Friends, it's Morgan, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. Today, I want to start with a quote from Dorothy Sayers that says, In nothing has the church so lost her hold on reality as in her failure to understand and respect the secular vocation. She's allowed work and religion to become separate departments. One of the themes that surfaces again and again that goes largely unnamed, but is very much at work in the souls of men is this false dichotomy between the sacred and the secular, especially around the idea of vocation and work. And so today I want to lean into two faithful friends, like-hearted allies, Rich and Aaron, and bring them in to hear their perspectives and gain from their wisdom and insight in what we can do in our power to break the divide, to bring repair in the area of work and vocation. Aaron, let's start with you. What's on your heart as we begin to step into this idea of a secular sacred divide? I have a visceral reaction, like in my body, to the phrase secular and sacred. The fact that there is a binary, one's one's one, one's the other, there's a scale, there's a left-right column, I adamantly, adamantly oppose it. It's not true. What is sacred is our life, God's life in our life. And everywhere we are, God is with us, through us, for us. And so fixing a bike in the garage, sending an email, isn't distinction between one being more of those that I won't even repeat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just really have trouble with it. And I, I find sometimes the stuff that comes from the pulpit about work it's just so void of my actual experience mm. because it comes from this kind of pious place of, well, if we're feeding the poor, that's, you know, somehow holy. But if we're building a bridge, if we're flying a plane, if we're helping a financial institution, that somehow is not. It's just, I, it, it to me is devoid of reality. And it just further makes the offering of Christianese in the Western church message less relatable for more people versus God with us, for us, Christ in us, through us, always. And how do we then begin to then bring the expression of Christ's life in us wherever we are with more forethought and consciousness about how we're showing up and who we are and how we lead in whatever our assignment is. I think that's precisely why I brought you two into this recording. I mean, that's it. And we talk about this all the time and the rub of it, but we felt like it's important to daylight this because we have a lot of allies in this tension, right? I think most people listening would assume that the majority of Become Good Soil kind of like-hearted allies are in what would be described as uh, vocational ministry, right? They're pastors or they're leading nonprofit ministries. The truth is the majority are building bridges. Yeah. The BGS, the 10 years that we've been, it become good soil yeah. events, 90% build bridges, our accountants, totally. our run an insurance practice, right. our school teachers, 10% are in actual vocational. Yes nonprofit or ministry or whatever it may be. So it's just not true. Right. And I think that that's why I, 
for me in the 10 years of being part of the BGS work is when work was such a foundational piece of it. Yes. Of like, and so how is this life we're pursuing with God show up in our work? Yes. That's such a different question than how do I get a different career mm. so I can do God's work? Mm. So that's what we want to talk about today is we want to talk about work, the category of work, this division, like you said, Aaron, an actual unhelpful division between sacred and secular, and hopefully use this really honest dialogue as an on-ramp for all men, whether their assignment is what we would call vocational ministry, nonprofit space, or their assignment is building bridges, that we what we share in common is greater than that which is different. Yeah, in the context of Become Good Soil, everyone applies, you go through this long application process, super meaningful and cool. And part of that is you go through and say, what is your work in the world? And for years, we would have these profile books and everybody would have their little good looking mug shot. And then basically it would say, I'm a big deal and here's why, is what the paragraph would say you know, I own a VC firm and I'm a this, that, and such and such. And it's like, this is totally unhelpful. It's unhelpful for the facilitators because then we were like facilitators are like, oh my gosh, I have three really big deals in my room. What am I going to do with these guys? And it was just like, let's just get rid of all that. And so Morgan, you and I have been through a program um, through, you know, on-site workshops and they would use that framing of like, if you want to talk about your career, you're either a brain surgeon or you're a chimney sweep. That's it. We don't want to hear about how you're such a big deal. Just if you need to do a context reference, that's fine. Mm -hmm. So by doing that, I think one of the first years we did that with the first night at BGS, then we were around a fire. And now all of a sudden that topic is removed from who are you? Hey, right. my name's Aaron. So you're with a group of all new guys. Everyone's feeling a little uncomfortable and and trying to kind of present themselves, right? Even subconsciously. It's Absolutely. Like, and it's like, get to know say, each other. Right? So then when you remove the, who am I in the world? What do I do for work? And you have to answer a different question, which is like, who are you, Rich Pantusa? Not what do you do? Well, then all of a sudden the chimney sweep just kind of neutralized that topic. Yes. And it really helped guys and each of us move deeper into. So I've started answering that question. People say, what do you do? And I said, well, let me start with what do I, what do I love? Here's what I love. And I'll walk them through yeah, that. That's great. Which just helps. So that's yeah. the context. So it was the great leveler to say, we're all men. We're all sons. We are all saying yes to something, some of which we don't even understand right now. That's the context. But for this conversation, I want to flip it upside down because we're really trying to get to some core angst that you just named. And so Rich Pantusa, Aaron McHugh, I want to hear a little bit about what you do in the world. It's time to out That's right. behind Tell the chimney sweep. Tell us about how you're a big sweep. deal, Rich. Yeah. yeah, and just in the spirit of, and, it, it, and I ask that with a little bit of sorrow, mm -hmm. it's love that you're willing, I know, to share that because part of the sacredness of our fellowship is we come together as equals. We come together as a peer group of men chasing after God, responding to God, and so to out that, is to risk people now sizing you up and right and being less than or greater than, but in love for this fellowship, for this context, I think it's important for people to know, what do you do? Yeah, and if I could answer that question by starting with, I'm a BGS alum, 2014, seven and a half years into the excavation, and to have you ask me that question feels uncomfortable now. Hmm. Whereas the chimney sweep was just as uncomfortable. Interesting. And that's just a testament to this is necessary. There are no shortcuts. Yeah. This is on time for us to go through the process of detaching our identity from our work. Yes. So that we can get to the real gold of our hearts and our sonship and our identities. But to answer your question, um, I'm a 22-year military service guy. I've been in the Air Force um, and been... Uh, flying airplanes for 20 years now. Um, I am part of a reserve unit here in Colorado Springs. I'm a full-timer there. And I fly airplanes. I teach other people how to fly airplanes. And right now I manage our aerial firefighting program where we take our planes, shove a huge tank in the back, and we go all over the <laughs> Western United States and fight wildfire. Mm. 
Um, and it's my passion. It's my joy. Um, second only to loving my wife and loving God. Mm. It's just wild even to hear you on air describe that because as you said, we've worked so hard to dismantle right. our identity from it. And yet I know all that about your world privately, mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, we're all getting outed, right? Mm -hmm. um, to, to, to get to the deeper thing. So thank you, Rich. Mm -hmm. um, or Officer Pantusa. That's you, right. <laughs> what is what is the fort? What do they what do they call you in your day? To, I, Are you Captain? I'm the, Colonel Pantusa. Colonel. Colonel. Okay. Yeah. So let Come me say on. It. Okay. Yeah. okay. There we go. So thank you, Colonel Pantusa. Thank you. That's that's <laughs> awkward to receive, man. <laughs> so good. Aaron McHugh. Yeah. Um, I work for a consulting firm, and it's a global firm. So it's probably thirty thousand people, uh, twenty five thousand people globally. Um, I'm a part of a group of specific leadership, like executive coaches that are 300 globally. We work with executive leadership teams, household names that you'd recognize. What we have the opportunity to do is work within, it's like the nitty gritty of work, of retooling organizations. When they, I was on a call yesterday of um, global household brand, and they're looking at how do we restructure our franchisee model and what are the implications of that for diversity and inclusion. We, you know, I'm working on a program right now with a CIO that's globally, you know, managing 30,000 individual people plus client tech and digital work that we do in the world. And it's, you know, they're asking us how do we operationalize this leadership model in our everyday practices? Like super, super, super nitty gritty yep. and very Wall Street Journal headline um, behind the scenes. And Aaron, what, as you're sharing that, you know, we've traveled for decades together now and I'm going back through the reels of all the steps and the seasons and assignments to get you there. And now I'm just thinking of like, you know, working with a, a company doing cutting edge cancer research to heal humans from cancer. And you didn't start there. No. So can you give the cliff notes? Because I think there's a lot of listeners out there in their late 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s. And, and when they're in their 50s, their story may be similar to you for their chimney sweep. But I think there's something really important of the other work assignments you've had to get to yeah, where you sure. are. Yeah, so in my 20s, it was tents and backpacks. I was selling at an outdoor retail store, which then moved to office supplies for businesses, which then moved to 60-second radio commercials, then to TV, then to, you know, what's Zoom today in the 90s. It was called uh, something else, but it was a, a new technology to show a picture um, on the internet with audio you could play through your speakers. Um, so I've always been in some sort of commercial sales. And then I worked in software for about 13 years on the retail gasoline side of pricing gasoline globally. And lots of them, every single one of them were like very unglamorous mm. and very like, I always felt like I was on the farm team mm. and farm team, like a baseball analogy of like, I never got called up to the big leagues. Mm. So it's only been in the last, what I would say, probably the last five to seven years that I actually feel like all of those prep assignments along the way were true and necessary to prepare me to play in the big leagues that I always knew I was capable of, yes. but never had an opportunity to. Yeah, I just appreciate it. We always knew there was a destiny for that, but I'm just smiling thinking back to the earliest years. You know, Rich, you're describing your first intensive, and it was just these practical steps to say, uh, my apprenticeship as a son and the kingdom of God is the primary story. And I'm listening to podcasts and teaching from places like Become Good Soil, right? And Rich, you brought this to my attention where you said, I mean, you had an honest confession of listening to a Christian podcast where a young man was talking about his culture of praying as a staff. Right. And I, I would just love as kind of a an introduction to like, what was your reaction and what does that bring up in this category? Right, it was an ache that I had felt growing inside of me to the point of being able to articulate it over years of being in this message and loving God 
and finding myself again and again and again being reaffirmed by God, I am where he has me. Mm -hmm. This is all anointed. But looking through the lens of someone else in that ministry role saying, this is where life with God is. And it requires prayer and consecration and community vision and a vision statement that uses the word God versus not. Mm -hmm. And that ache started rising in me of saying, well, what is this diminishment that I'm feeling? Mm -hmm. And I don't identify with that, but God has me where I am. And to define it a little bit more, I just felt like stalemate. And that's that division that you know we're, we're going after that you mentioned and you articulated so well, Aaron, of there's a wall, there's my with God life, and then there's what I do at work. Mm-hmm. Because what I do at work feels like compromise. On the surface, it's a compromise between the folks and the vision and the values that go on in my job setting and then what I do in my own time. Mm-hmm. And how can I start tearing down that wall? And you know, God just brought all of this revelation to me over the course of excavating yes. that I wanted a name for you and you received it and you said, hey, let's go after it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think What's really cool about being at this milestone is you guys have personally wrestled with that tension and wrestled with kind of, let me say, the outsiders, which for you are the vocational ministry people, right? And the, like you said, Aaron, do I just need to go get a different assignment because I love God. I want to be my apprenticeship to be central. Like these riches you're articulating, there's these values that are put on me that don't fully align with what what I believe is true and good and beautiful, but you guys have done the wrestling and you've processed through it. And now when I look at your lives, like it's so, I'll use the word holy to watch you in your work. In my story and in my journey, especially since uh, BGS and being introduced to all these ideas of my identity is not rooted in my job title. And I don't want to be the guy that comes home and kicks the dog because I don't want to take my frustration out of my wife for what happened in the workplace. The discipline of saying, this is the end of the workday and dropping the pencil, walking away, blessing, consecrating our work and releasing it to God so that we can engage in what's next. And I had to find a way and walk with God and how to live that out daily. And that's a process. That's a journey that takes time and it takes effort and it takes heart space to get to that place. And for my journey, what I found myself doing, first of all, was essentially making an agreement that I need to get out of here. I need to go find something where I can express myself fully. So that's kind of level one. Level when you one. You start getting your heart back is I need to eject from this place. Correct. And you know, we we have to go through that. That's kind of the divorce mm-hmm. of I'm no longer married to my job. I'm married to my wife and I love God. Mm. And so that needs to take its proper place. I need to detangle from that. And in a lot of ways in the spiritual realm, just the possibility that God would invite you into that mm. and let it go. What would it look like? You know, like Morgan, you say, what would it look like to do 70% at work so that you can save your best for those that matter most? Yes. That's a process. That's not a light switch moment. Then what I found myself doing was now asking God, where are you in this context? And he was silent. He was really silent. Mm -hmm. And so my child heart went looking for the vine to plug into at work. And I looked for it in my supervisors and my bosses. And it wasn't there. And that was a hard process of, I demand that you father me right now. And that's not available. And it's almost like I'm speaking a foreign language. Yes. That that's my desire in this context is to be mentored and fathered Mm -hmm. and loved well. You know, Henry Ford has a great quote where he says, how come when I want a pair of hands, I get a human being as well? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Great quote. And for me, I was that pair of hands that was inconveniently attached to a heart looking for life with God. Yes. Right? And so bringing that into the quote unquote secular workplace was a very difficult thing. And so I went to the next level and borrow a page out of David and Goliath, right? It's a beautiful story. If you read it from the context of like David had a job, Mm. uh, all the details are phenomenal. He showed up for his job with a charcuterie board. Wow. 
right? His dad sent him with bread and cheese. Like, <laughs> you should probably take some snacks because <laughs> you're going to interview for this big role, right? And in the process of becoming David who slayed Goliath, he had to try on Saul's armor. You remember that? Yeah. Saul put his armor on him. And that's how I felt. I need to armor up and I need to be strong. I need to have all my defenses up and I need to do my best to walk with God shielded from this world that he put me in, from this context, so that all the compromising situations have no effect on me. Mm. And just like David, I found that that was ill-fitting and I couldn't live like that because by 745, it all fell off, mm. right? And and I found myself struggling and in this place of wonder and now God's gone again, right? And so it took a process of going through all of those phases to arrive at a place where God finally revealed himself. And for me, the joy and the with God life is actually in the work I get to do. Mm. Because what I saw in the work that I get to do is m the image of God expressed through me in it. Mm. It reminds me of, I remember I was in Hawaii and I was actually there with Alex and we were with Sam Ainsley mm. and we were on the beach at just having a swim, came back in a lawn chair and he pointed and he said, you see that? And he was pointing to the landscaping. He said, somebody cares for that every single day. Somebody gets out of bed and that's their job and it is good. Mm. It was so the dignity of, I don't even know fully what he meant yes. in that moment, yes. but what I took away from it was the, the dignity, the holiness, as you're saying, is in the doing of the work in how I do it, of God in me, through me, in the co-creation, in the craftsmanship, in the dedication. In, and I believe that when we can reclaim the, the sanctity, the holiness, the sacred in every bit of work we do, then we're no longer looking for externals to validate this is somehow holy, mm -hmm. this is somehow good. Because then it's like, oh, well, if, if that's the case, if that's the world I live in, the, the blog post that Morgan writes through in and through Become Good Soil are more holy mm -hmm. than the blog posts I write through Work Life Play. Mm. Well, that's not true. Mm -hmm. You live a holy life. You live a connected life with God. Your vocation and your assignment happens to be helping other people wake up to that very plain, simple, clear Jesus. In the world that I operate in, the world that you operate in, Rich, we have to be more um, conscientious, uh, coy, cunning, <laughs> cunning, uh, and that's not good. It's not good or bad. It's just the context right. we find ourselves in. But each of us carrying the embodiment of the life of Christ in us carry the message, the healing, transformational work of Jesus. How we use language to invite people into that. And like you're mentioning too of like that. I love the question of like, God, where are you? Show me. Mm -hmm. I demand. <laughs> yes. Come out. Where are you? Versus, oh no. Rich, I'm going to be quiet for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's like we were talking earlier about schlepping it. In your 20s and your 30s and a young career, schlepping it, you know, stocking shelves or whatever that takes. Like that's a necessary part of the process. Absolutely. It's all kingdom, whether or not your corporation is associated with kingdom work or not. Right. A, a man needs that in every context. Right, you've been in our heritage room where there's Cokes and beer available. Someone had to bring that in. Right. And someone was me for years. Right, that someone was me. Right, you're talking about on the military base, <laughs> right? The heritage yep. room is? The heritage room is a room where we keep all of our story. Um, it's a place where we gather and meet and blow off steam and tell stories and do our debriefs and just kind of soak in the story that we're a part of and there's a fridge yeah. and there's a kegerator and there's snacks. Like those had to get there somehow. Right. And that's the requirement of the new guys. Yeah. 
or you apprentice your way in just like God does in small things first and then greater and greater measure. And so if that story is borrowing its power from the gospel, how come my work can't? Yes. Right? How come I can say in my childlike places, gosh, I really wish that I just worked in a ministry where my heart is united with God and I'm surrounded with like-hearted people mm -hmm. versus God inviting us out into the deep waters of initiation in this really messy context, mm -hmm. right? And having him find us there. Yeah, I, the words from Wendell Berry come to mind as you guys are describing this idea where he says, there are no unsacred places. He says, there are only sacred and desecrated. When I read that, I think it was about two years ago, it just stopped me in my tracks because it named something that was true. The culture tends to make a a false division between sacred and unsacred, when in fact, the true division is between sacred and desecrated. And it returns me back to this idea, and Aaron, you just highlighted it, of all of creation was intended to be good, right? Every demon is a fallen angel. In other words, the original intent of every demon was to be a friend of God. And that if we really pull back vocation from this very provincial, short-sighted view, our first vocation that we all share in common is to rule and reign. As sons and daughters, we are to rule and reign in partnership with God over all of creation to see that it's restored to be what it was intended to be. Whether it's building a bridge, or stocking the heritage room, or leading a prayer session. All of that is how do we partner with God to rule and reign over all of creation. And so I, I wanna hear from you guys a little bit more now in some of the details, like, because you said stocking the shelves, right, of the heritage room. And I appreciate, Rich, how you said there were these phases you went through of first, I need to get out. Second, I need to hunker down when I'm here. Um, and, and armor up. And armor up, right? And then, Aaron, you went through phases, right, of each each kind of shift in your career of your post, as it were. It felt like, it, what do I go into something that's more seemingly true to my heart, right? Because what we realize is all of us share more in common than not. We have very similar kingdom callings. We've just been asked to be rooted in different places, right? And that's that's what's most true. So like the categories of your own initiation and becoming and development or the category of ruling and reigning, like the category of people that come with the hands, right? Ultimately, it's relational at its core, whether it's sales, where seemingly the bottom line is quarterly earnings up and to the right, where it's military and the bottom line is some assignment that comes on from on high that is often foobar and ends up with people. I think building on riches as your progression, as you talked about, like this awakening and awareness to then move through my response must be, I either need to leave or I need to armor up and then picking up there I've experienced similar um, stages like that. And then what I started questioning and wondering, being curious about is, if I'm going to quit anyway, and I need to leave this, this assignment, and I actually need to go work full-time in ministry, what would I do if I started tomorrow doing all those things I, I'm convinced I'm going to be fired for? That's brilliant. And it was super helpful. I was like, well... I would just shoot straight with people. And I would say, um, I would ask questions like, hey, when you're in your off my office and you're crying about what's happening with a colleague um, or you're angry or you're, your mom's dying, I would just say, hey, where do, you, where do you go for help when you need help? Do you have a friend? Do you have a spiritual life? Like what, where do you find hope? That's the conversation I would have. Okay, well, I'm gonna, here, oh, look, lo and behold, here she is. She's in my office right, right now. <laughs> okay, hey, so where do, you, where do you go for hope and help? Okay, let's have that conversation. Okay, so then next conversation. My 
my bonus isn't going to be paid because of A, B, and C, and Z, and some invented <laughs> reasons. And so, okay, so here I am. What am I going to do about this? Okay, well, I'm going to step out of this meeting afterwards. I'm going to walk around the building, and I'm going to actually, like in Joshua, the walls of Jericho, I'm going to walk around this office mm. every week, and I'm going to pray, not for the outcome that my bonus will be paid, but for the king's heart who's in charge of this kingdom. That's what I'm going to pray for. So I'm going to bring the kingdom of God to this place that desperately needs it. So who better than me? Not because I, I, I'm great, but because I'm looking around and saying, who else is walking around this parking lot, praying for this king, consecrating my life, God's life in this place? My bonus, God, that's not what is the most imperative here. So how do I re-engage the world that I'm in with the kingdom truths that I carry and bring those with strength in whatever small, medium, large, or gigantic assignment we have versus I used to grapple so much with just fury over my context, my circumstances, you know, how terrible this king was over that king, over... It was like, those were true. But when I finally began to own my place in God's story in this place, on this piece of dirt, at this address, in this role, with this team, with this customer, then things began to change. Because then my interior life that I was growing in in maturity, well, then all of a sudden as you become a son, now what are we going to do, dad? What do I do now with this new place of sonship in me? Oh, I can invite others into this place. And so through my actions, I began to operationalize in my context, quietly, a long time, very quietly. But I just found that over time then, I was granted more influence and opportunity as I began to own my place in God's story, wherever I was. That's so huge. And Aaron, I just like the, the practition of that takes time. We're talking about apprenticeship over years and years into that. And for me, in my context, I had to be apprenticed in just my perspective on that context that I was placed in, where in the context of a broad spectrum of people with a broad spectrum of values, right? Diversity, inclusion, different lifestyles, different um, ways of being and believing. And you find yourself shoved into a context of being gone with them, being on the road with them somewhere on a trip. And some are really chasing after God and some are really chasing after their flesh and everything in between. There are good people. There are people that are searching for God. There are people that don't really have much of a care in the world for him. And to be shoved into a context as a son and as a man with a good heart, wanting to love all of them equally is a challenge. I did some counting and I have about a thousand one-on-one -on -one interactions with a thousand different people any given year, right? Maybe five of them want to talk about something deeper than my set of hands and <laughs> what I can produce. And they want to talk about some sort of heart issue. You know, Aaron, the, the, the coworker that comes into your office crying about something that happened at home. Like that happens a handful of times. And the first thing God had to show me was like, that's happening. She feels safe in your office with the door closed. And I can honor her from a place of strength. Where did that come from? Because 20 years ago, I could not have handled that power. Mm. I could not have handled it in a holy way. But she is identifying that thing that we hope anyone would want is you have something to offer and I'm going to come to a place where I can be loved and cherished. And then I have something ready, that question to ask, where do you find your hope? How are you going to navigate this? How can I invite you into something greater and provide some life in that context? like? Just in that one little shift mm -hmm. of perspective of like, oh no, it's happening. 
it's happening in this place. It's easy to compare Morgan, you know, like if I were to say you had a thousand, um, encounters with men, how many of them would want to talk about heart matters? That would be a hot lot higher percentage, right? right? But I get that too. Through God's spirit working in my office because I've consented, like changing that perspective changes everything. Someday I will go back to my office and it's going to happen again. Yeah, as you both describe kind of the intimacy of your context, just aware, like, if you're not at your post, who will be? Exactly right. Who will be? Exactly right. And, and, so we all just run for the hills. Right. We run for right. the hills. And you just think like, most of those people aren't going to church, right? And they're not going to look for life in a church. And frankly, a lot of them aren't going to find a lot of life in a lot of churches for the real present pain and challenge, right? I had a friend that got recently divorced and she just was describing just that, that benevolent ostracism that's happened to her when she loves God and very few people have asked really the story behind the divorce, but now in the church circles, it's like she feels like she's got the scarlet letter on her, right? And you go, but she's got a vocational um, job outside that we would name secular in this division, and who's gonna be at that post, right? To love on her, to show her true wholehearted masculinity. I'm just really moved when you share those stories because I've done life with you and I've seen your becoming and I've seen your wrestling. And I, I find myself today so grateful that you're at your post, that you didn't just hit eject. You know, Sherry and I were reflecting actually last night, and now I'm just wondering if it was the Holy Spirit um, preparing for this podcast because she said that we are meant to be trees deeply rooted, but trees don't get to move. And, you know, we're constantly looking for the eject switch and it's not just the job assignment. I'm talking about culture right now. It's like 30,000 feet. I'm like, I just want to move to a ranch. I want to get away from just this incessant, you know, busyness, demand, activity. We want to hit eject. We prayed this morning and she put the idea out yesterday. Like, what if we are trees deeply, deeply planted and God's saying, I've put you there. The issue is how will you become a vibrant, healthy tree in the river of life that you are fed, you are nourished so that you can offer shade and life and well-being, protection to others. Let me read this from King David, Psalm 119 from the message translation. You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right. You don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road he set. David White poem, he calls it the pale ground beneath our feet. He has his poem, it's, it's called uh, Take the First Step. Not the second, not the third. Take the pale ground beneath your feet. Start where you are. Own the path you're on. Eject is a way for each of us. I want to eject as a pilot. I want to eject as a consultant. I want to eject as a BGS lead in a modern, complicated world. And a thousand people do come to you with their hearts, which is a very different challenge than 995 coming to us with their business challenge, their I need a pair of hands challenge, and five with a heart. Thank you for voicing that. That is massively different and massively fatiguing in a totally different way. Well, in equally challenging. Absolutely. Right. Right. And I think that's what's beautiful about this conversation is that we are peers. We're peers on a journey. We're peers as sons. And we're peers in owning the complexity of where we are planted. Yes. And I love that phrase of, yeah, trees don't move. Right. <laughs> that's a great, what a great line. Because here we are, each of us deeply planted where we are planted. You're 22 years in, Colonel. 
you know, I think of you every time I see these big C-130s overhead, I'm like, oh yeah, that's under Rich's command. Um, and what I love about this conversation is, and I hope for you, our friends that are listening, is that I hope what you're hearing is to elevate your view of what God's up to in the world with the people you're with already. God is for them. Every single one of them. Mm. Whether they're the 995 that Rich and I experience or they're the 995 that Snyder experienced, God's for all of them. Yes. God is for them, with them, after them, all of them. And what we have the opportunity to do is to help meet them where they are at the moment God brings them into our life and to bring this depth of believing and knowing as God moves through us on their behalf. And to me, I find it less interesting to be asking why aren't people going to church and more interesting to ask how might I be Christ with skin on for them Hmm. and make the life of Christ so tactile, Mm -hmm. so real, so irresistibly true that then it's Christ that's the story. It's not church. Christ is the story. The vibrant life of Christ is the story. And all that other stuff was intended to be the the window dressing to Christ. Mm. But it's become prohibitive. So why not the three of us redesign the front door to Christ in wherever we are. As we turn a corner to close out this podcast, um, I'd love to hear just maybe one of you, uh, just some practical, like we're going deep, right? Become good soil is the deep dive. It's for the apprentices that say, I'm all in, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, I've burned the ships, there's no going back. And I'm aware we're meeting men at very different stages and phases of this. There might be guys listening and they're, they're at kind of their first job, you know, or they launched a business at 25 or they signed up for the big corporation or they're burned out at 45, right? It, they're in all different phases. So Colonel Pantuza, from where you sit, what would you say to those men? There's a lot that I can answer that with, but to distill it down what the spirit has for this moment, um, we're sons. We have a really good dad. And that connection does not diminish when we walk into our workplace. It doesn't diminish when we walk into our marriages. It doesn't diminish when we walk into any context. He is the same and our identity in him is the same. That's bedrock. And in that context, we don't have to get it perfect. Like we've described, this is a process. This takes time. This is an apprenticeship. So let it be messy. It's gonna be messy. You're gonna stub your toe as you walk deeper and deeper into finding God where you're planted. Dallas Willard said, the first thing you wanna do if you decide to take God into the workplace is to recognize he's already there. He's already there. He's waiting for you at the Taco Bell and he's waiting for you in the corner office. He's there. Um, And so for me, what's been inspiring me to dive deeper, Morgan, is there are no shortcuts. What you've laid out as a path has been so necessary to arrive. And so what's next? You introduced me to this wild man called Brother Lawrence and They said of him that he was more united to God in his outward employments, peeling potatoes, washing dishes, mopping the floor. He was more united to God in that context than when he left them for the monastery devotion. Is that possible? Is God inviting us into that? Yeah, Rich, it's so beautiful. Um, I'm reminded as you're sharing with a big smile what Dallas (laughs) said, uh, reflecting on Colossians 3, where he says, I don't work for anyone but Jesus Christ. 
And because I work for Jesus Christ, I'll do a much better job for the people who think I'm working for them. What I so appreciate about this time with you men is that we all share in common is our heart is for God. Our orientation is towards him and his kingdom. That we are recovering now in part and in the future in greater measure that our identity is son as student, as warrior, as apprentice, and as men becoming kings. And that's exactly where we are with exactly who we are. Until God changes it, this is our assignment. This is our post. And friends, we are just scratching the surface. I know that this brings up a lot. And so I want to invite you to not rush through the idea of the sacred-secular divide and how part of our shared assignment is to see that diminish in time till we recover the idea that there are no unsacred places, only sacred and desecrated. And as always with the Become Good Soil podcasts, I want you to experience the love of God in this content in this moment, because the world's fast and furious and we'll run to other things but because we have these great guests today, Aaron, I want to invite you to wrap us up and to offer um, just an invitation for us to be here now with God in light of these ideas. Would you be up for that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a swing, huh? So if you're if you're able, wherever you are, friends listening, to close your eyes. And just begin to find, find yourself in this moment. Notice your breath. Notice your pulse maybe. Mine's a little high right now, so I'm noticing that. Noticing the chair that's supporting my back, my toes on the ground in my shoes. So find yourself in this moment. Christ in you. Christ with you. Christ for you. through you. And just with your eyes closed, let's just stay here in this place. I'm reminded of Eugene Peterson. He wrote this phrase that God is the country in which I live. So in God's country, where is your tree planted today? Is it on Zoom? Maybe it's an airplane. Maybe it's an office. Maybe it's a classroom. Maybe it's outside planting trees. Where are you in God's country? Are your roots deep? Are they just getting started? Perhaps they're quenching for thirst. What if the soul of your tree is just in need of some fertilizer? some water. That's tree representing the work, your soul planted in that place. That's the ground beneath your feet. God, what might you have for us there? What might we ask for from you?
as you intend for us to flourish. Like the tree of life and its leaves offer for the healing of others. The tree of life planted by the river of healing waters. God is the country in which we live. Here is where our tree is planted. Replenish us, God. And give us vision for how might we own the context we find ourselves in today with strength and humility, with compassion, with grace for those around us. Believing you are with them and for them, whether they know it or can see it or not. But we know it, Jesus. And so we partner with you in this place as co-creators to reign and to rule in the domain that you've entrusted to our care. That we might thrive, God and that others might thrive in and through us, Christ in and through us, for us and with us.